The Bears are back at mandatory minicamp. Allen Robinson's in the house, too. He actually reported as we were recording our interview with our special guest today. But what's going on, everybody? Welcome into an exclusive interview here on the Fireside Bears podcast. Look, this may be a much shorter interview, but we're actually joined by Fox 32's very own Caitlin Shark. You can follow her on Twitter at K Rose Sharky. It was a great time sitting down with Caitlin talking about the Bears' expectations for the offseason, what a young person needs to do to continue to grow in media and journalism, expectations for Sean Desai, and much, much more. Hey, listen, it was myself, Usaid Koshal, asking the questions. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. But make sure before we get into the interview, guys, that you're following my co hosts on every single social media platform you can follow sam on twitter at shy sports sam that's right he changed up his twitter handle and then follow aj desai on twitter as well at aj desai for and here at fireside bears be sure to check back with us because we're gonna have content all throughout the week we've got a show for you guys on tuesday night gonna have some stuff up on the youtube channel as well so it's gonna be a really fun week and then a really special interview is coming up with a Bears player on Friday that we're going to drop probably on Saturday morning. So keep your eyes peeled. But hey, listen, for now, you're probably tired of hearing me talk, but I'm going to hand you guys over to the rest of the crew so you can listen to our exclusive interview with Caitlin Sharkey. Enjoy and be sure to rate, review and subscribe our podcast on every single platform. Joining us now on the Fireside Bears podcast, we've got Fox 32's very own Caitlin Rose Sharkey. You can follow her on Twitter at K Rose Sharkey. Caitlin, what's going on? Thanks so much for being on here. Of course. Thank you, guys. I'm uh, enjoying the offseason as well. But like as much as I can get to Hallis Hall, it's exciting to see in-person activity. And it's it's a, like this offseason just feels better for a number of reasons, as you guys know. So it's a good time around here. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice to get back to normal, especially with Chicago fully opening up this past weekend. But you mentioned Hallis Hall and they're actually at mandatory minicamp this week. Let's start with the biggest question of all, but were you surprised when the Bears traded up for Justin Fields? Because I tweeted this out like three or four days before the draft. I was like, hey, the stars are aligning for the Bears to grab Justin Fields. And then lo and behold, they trade up. But were you surprised at all that that happens? I think I was most surprised that he was still available. I'm not surprised that they were going to make a run for whoever. I was not sold that Andy Dalton was going to be their answer to their problems. Um, and I think they realized that as well. I think Andy actually knows that as well. Um, so I, I figured like they would try to do as much as they could. Did I think Justin Fields would be there and that the draft board kind of played out like it did? No, I, I was I was wondering, like, how are they going to make this happen? It seemed like they had to do all of these things. And looking back, it, it, yeah, the stars aligned and everything worked out for them. And it's a phenomenal move. And there's a lot of upside. And I think there's a lot of reason to be excited. And they did it. They did a heck of a job that night. So I think I think Justin Fields is certainly the most polarizing pick in this draft class. But you do look at the 2021 Bears draft class and there's kind of a lot of interesting picks. 
Is there a rookie outside of fields that you think is going to have a big impact this season? I think Tevin Jenkins, we'll see a lot of him. Um, he would stick out in my mind because he's ready to go. He knows what it's like to start. They had these musical chair situation with their offensive line last season that they cannot afford to do again this year. I think they figured out some things. I think the whole Sam Mustafer at center was a great, you know, discovery and that did end up working out. Um, but I think Tevin Jenkins is going to be that player who can really come in and make an immediate impact. And, and the fact that it's, you know, whether it's Fields or Andy or whoever's there, I think it's going to be such a value if they can create some kind of consistency for the line, because it's not like they lacked this amount of talent, but bringing in a guy like Tevin Jenkins, where they can start him in a certain position, let him get those reps, let him build that consistency, I think is overall great for the offensive line. Musical chairs. That's, that's <laughs> described that offensive line last year. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, I was like, who's playing what? Who's where? <laughs> like the whole, oh, yeah, the whole was, season, for it sure. Was it was a hot mess. I mean, obviously, shift, you know, shifting over to the outside of the ball to the wide receiver position, uh, what are your thoughts on the Allen Robinson situation? I mean, we saw. I, I mean, I saw during breakfast when I was eating my eggs that crazy one-minute video that he's ready to play football, ready to show up to uh, mandatory, I guess, um, OTAs when it's coming up. But um, aside from that, um, our wide receiver, too, do you think that he takes a step forward with Allen Robinson if he continues to be a Chicago Bear? Yeah, I think so. I think Allen is ex going to accept the situation for what it is and certainly bringing along – you know, somebody like Justin Fields makes you feel a little better if you're like in this purgatory of like, what do I do? Do I stay with this team? Do I not? Obviously, having a quarterback like Justin Fields helps. Um, I think Allen's going to be Allen. He's going to get his. He's going to continue to dominate. He is that number one guy. And if they can figure out a system, I think what's going to help the offense and specifically the receivers and these quarterbacks this season is the fact that there's not this quarterback battle, so to speak, where you know, I heard from some of those receivers, Allen included last year, that training camp felt more like they were so focused on who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the quarterback, and they were switching reps every other possession. That doesn't help the offense, and that doesn't help chemistry with receivers. If they approach it differently this season, they have a full offseason together, they have preseason games, I think that's going to make a big difference for these receivers, especially guys like Allen who are kind of – Maybe frustrated with how things have gone. I think it's going to be a different thing. And Darnell Mooney, I'm excited to watch him thrive in his second year. And I'm excited to see what Anthony Miller can do because there's all this praise from his coaches that he's, you know, he's matured this offseason. He's more focused. He looks better. So I guess we'll see when the season rolls around. Yeah, that wide receiver room is going to be interesting because mm -hmm. they added guys like Godwin, Demir Bird. Daz Newsome as well. So some surprises there, but let's shift over to the tight end room because Cole Komet kind of talked about chemistry. What are your expectations for that room as well as Cole Komet? And then what happens with Jimmy Graham? Is he a, maybe a guy that they cut during training camp? Yeah, it's tough. I, I wonder what they're going to do with Jimmy Cole. I think it's just the, he's going to just take leaps and bounds. He said he feels stronger. He, you know, the first year is such a learning curve for rookies regardless. But then you put them in a situation like the Bears had last year with this quarterback battle, switching quarterbacks in the middle of the season. 
and not to mention their entire off season being virtual and like guys like Cole not being able to do this on field work that they have this year. So I can only expect good things from them. If they figure out a creative way to use him, I think we saw flashes of it, the tight end group kind of shining at the end of the season, Jimmy Graham, whether people like him or not, or think he's as valuable as he is, the man finds the end zone and he scores those touchdowns and he's that red zone, big body threat that you're always going to want. So if they can keep him at a fairly, I don't, I don't know who's better at at this point where they're at. I think Cole still has a little bit of growing to do and um, you can learn so much from a guy like Jimmy. So, Kaylin, I, I kind of want to shift gears here. I want to go to the opposite side of the ball. One of the biggest things I think the Bears did on the defensive side of the ball is promote uh, Sean Desai, Desai, excuse me, the defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on that move? Do you have big expectations for him? Yeah, I do. And I think he is walking into a situation where he has a lot of great pieces. The secondary, I am still a little curious as to how that's going to look this year. But, I mean, he has the big – bodies the big pieces the max the hicks that are gonna like make this transition easier and I think the Bears defense has been their identity and it should be this year as well like I said I'm a little concerned about the secondary group but I think the reception has been good for Sean and I it's a little bit interesting how they haven't shown up to the voluntary um OTAs with the new defensive corner coordinator so I thought that part was interesting but it's still early June guys like Akeemix and Khalil Mack and some of those starters know exactly what to do when you know the ball is snapped so um it'll be interesting to see how mandatory mini camps go and then yeah this the training camp battles I mean like I had the I had the following question about the expectations of the defense heading into 2021 but I guess a more pressing question would be about the secondary and what we can see from Desmond Trufant. I'm not a fan of Desmond Trufant mm-hmm. especially the guy that can't stay healthy for the last couple of years. If he's done then you're moving Jalen Johnson over to cover the number 1 wide receiver and you're counting on Thomas Graham or Kendall Vildor to take the number 2 spot and then I think Artie Burns would be our slot mm-hmm. corner at that point. So I mean, losing Kyle Fuller, I guess, I mean, I understand like the whole argument, like you should have cut Jimmy Graham instead, but like bygones, let bygones Mm -hmm. be bygones. But like, how pressing is the secondary matter to you? Like, do you think Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson could carry it like how Fuller and Jalen Johnson did? Or is it going to be a little different? I think the potential is there. It's going to be interesting to see. Jalen had these flashes where you're like, wow, he's fantastic. He's going to do all of these great things. You know, the speed's incredible. But then you have those flashes where you're like, oh, yeah, he, he just didn't re- read that the right way. He wasn't in the right positioning. And unfortunately, in this secondary, when you have a younger squad, the learning curve and the you, you learn by being burned. And that's never a great situation where it's like a receiver didn't run the right route. Okay. It's an incomplete pass. Well, if Jalen and these Bildor are like running the wrong routes, now you're getting scored on. So it's, it's like this harsher learning curve for the secondary. And I think that's where it's going to be the most troublesome for the defense. However, I think the pressure can be alleviated off of those guys as they continue to learn. And I do think, I don't think it's going to be a total disaster, but the pressure can be taken off them a bit if that front seven does their job. And that's something that the Bears have done. And if you look at the division, a lot of what's going to happen in the division is dependent on Green Bay. So if they don't have, like, outside of Aaron Rodgers throwing deep balls to Devontae Adams, those receivers that they have to guard 
outside of the Packers, you know, is, are they going to have to worry about Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers? Those are the, the true test, I think, for those guys this year. I mean, and adding to that, right, I mean, we're not looking at a situation like when in 2013 where, like, our front seven was terrible and our corners and safeties were taking the slack for most of it in 2014 as well. And then 2015, we started seeing an upwards trend of the defense. So, I mean, it's not a situation like that, but that makes me somewhat happier Mm-hmm. The situation, but uh, like I said, I mean, Desmond Trufant has to show it to me. I mean, I don't care. Yeah, if it's like for two dollars, you weren't healthy for that two for that two year twenty million dollar deal. That's all. No, and you and you don't want to be. That is not the group where you don't want to be thin. And I felt like that was the problem. And yeah. it became like last year. I was like, are they going to have enough to like suit them up? Like Kyle Fuller can't yeah. be everywhere on the field, and the fact yeah. like. This is insane. So they definitely need some bodies, but maybe they'll be like one of those stories where some guy will have a standout season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they can they can bank on that. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned people doing their jobs. Let's talk about the front office, specifically Brian Pace and Matt Nagy, because there's this consensus among the national media guys like at ESPN and CBS Sports saying that Pace and Nagy are on the hot seat. Do you see it that way going into 2021 or do you think Justin Fields buys them more time? I certainly think Justin Fields buys them more time. If listening to the end of the season press conference last year, you would have thought that is the ultimate hot seat. But then we were all thinking that. But then listening to the way the front office spoke and the ownership, you're like, okay, well, maybe they're not. So then they went and did a move like Fields. Unless Fields turns out to be this complete bust, which I I don't foresee that happening. I think – I mean – I. I don't even think Nagy necessarily there were some questionable play calls and things like that, but I don't think he's ever been set up greatly for success. So I think they're in a good situation right now. And if they're in the playoffs and they can make a decent run and it all works out with fields, I think the heat is, is subsided a little bit. So we've kind of thrown a lot of uh, positional group questions at you. Uh, we've mentioned, you know, quarterback, the rookie draft class, secondary. So I kind of sum that all up. I kind of want to ask you a two-part question here. Uh, and it's basically, which group do you think is the best for the Bears right now? And which is uh, the least improved? Which group do you feel the most Ooh. confident in? And which one do you feel, you know, kind of the icky feeling like this group could struggle? I know you mentioned a few areas, but uh, I'm curious to see, like, your your top group. and yeah. Yeah, the secondary I'm probably most concerned about. Um, when I'm thinking about strengths, I'm like, wow. I was thinking about the running backs, and I'm like, are the, are the backs going to be – if the backs are use, utilized properly, I think there's a lot of good that can come of that. I think David Montgomery is a stud, and I think that they, if it's used correctly – and again, that all comes with the offensive line. If the offensive line can figure their, their game out and Tevin Jenkins is the real deal – and that's solidified. I think we're going to see a lot from the Bears running back group. I think the potential is there. Um, and even if Justin Fields is playing, his skill set, his agility, his, you know, they can be creative and they can do some really great things. But the secondary certainly concerns me the most. Um, and then, I mean, is it crazy to think that the quarterbacks also have to be thrown in that? Because we don't know what Andy's going to do. I hope Andy does well, and I hope Justin does well. But who knows? Like, week 10, what are we going to be talking about? I felt like that was the the ride of the season last year with, you know, who's going to start this week? What should they do? I'm interested to see how Matt Nagy approaches how he uses his quarterbacks this season. Whether or not he's they're staying in, all in on Andy Dalton, 
or if they're like, all right, Andy, this is not working. Justin, go, go make some magic happen. So Yeah, I, I, I think I reciprocate those feelings for sure. I think quarterback and quarterback is definitely mm-hmm. the, the two rooms for me as well. But I, I agree yeah. with your thoughts on the running back room. Like, this is one of the most complete running back rooms I think I've seen the Bears assemble in some time. You know, you know what you have Montgomery. You hope mm-hmm. Cohen's coming back yep. healthy. And then Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert are nice additional pieces. I'm I'm with you on that for sure. All right. So the question that I have, uh, like, obviously, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Justin feels us to wrap up that question. But, like, you know, the biggest red flag for the Bears, aside from, like, the secondary and, like, uh, the quarterback position, I mean, like, you, you mentioned the uncertainties of Andy Dalton and, um, like, the uncertainties of uh, the cornerback position. What's another position that you think that's a question of uncertainty moving into, like, 2022 or 2023? Do you think I'm going to linebacker position is something yeah, that we need? I think that is something um, Robert Quinn did not. Uh, we all know yeah. it didn't was not a thing. <laughs> it didn't. I mean, the only time I felt like I mentioned Robert Quinn's name was like, uh, yeah, like I don't know if he missed practice or something that day. I and and that's that's that is what it is. But again, the defense they have these pieces, and I think. It, it felt like they should have been this ferocious group and it was just a little bit lacking. And that's a great point you make about the linebacker. Like that, that was the most underwhelming part for me. I was like, what, what are they doing here? Like this, this pass rush. And like, if Mac is not going to be the Khalil Mac that he was a couple of years ago, they're going to need some help. And I mean, that's, it is what it is at this point. They can be super dominating or they cannot be. So the linebackers, I would say, and even, offensively I'm still as talented as Allen Robinson is the receivers I there's there were too many drives last year too many stalls too many incomplete passes too many just the offense totally out of sync guys not in the right position um and then you wonder like how much of that is quarterbacks versus receivers that'll be an interesting dynamic so but the linebackers yes all of these thoughts just came like flooding into my mind when you said I'm like oh Robert Quinn thing I just uh, I hope it's improved this season. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Robert Quinn signing at all. Yeah. Five years, seventy million. I wasn't expecting that. I was, no. I was like, if they were going to sign anyone, sign Jadavian Clowney or someone. <laughs> right. Like, right? I mean, like for the production that you got out of Robert Quinn for, you could have gotten it out of Jadavian Clowney for like nine or eight million. So, I mean, yeah. uh, it is what it is. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens in the future. Exactly. Yeah, Robert Quinn kind of had a career disappointing year last year, and he's going into year 11. So you hope he's not at the point where he's going to get cut next offseason post-June 1st and completely fall off. But, hey, I know you were doing the props and locks segment. I think it was every Sunday morning, and AJ's going to start our betting and fantasy stuff here. But do you have any early props and locks for us going into 2021? Oh, man. Um, well, this is what that's what's tricky about, like, you know, any futures or props like that. I mean – when I was betting on the bears, this, you know, and I, this show was a great opportunity for me to kind of learn. And I became obsessed with profits. Like I money line, all that stuff stresses me out too much, but I'd be like, all right, I know David Montgomery is going to get these rushing yards or, you, you know, like I, anything with David Montgomery is a prop. I always want to play. Um, Alan Robinson as well. Uh, so those, any of the offensive props are fantastic. Um, primetime games of Khalil Mack is it? The sacks, he loves sacking on primetime games. So, like, that's a prop I always would play. So, I'd watch those. Um, but that's super exciting about the betting. Betting is taking off. It's so fun. It's 
if you do it <laughs> responsibly, it's so fun and it's uh, it makes the games that much more enjoyable. But as far as like future and big picture bets, I'm not touching any of those because of the uncertainty going on in Green Bay. So I'm not picking any division winners. I'm not <laughs> deciding any of that at this point in the season. All right, so don't place a future on the Bears to win a Super Bowl in the next five years is what I'm hearing. Got it. I mean, the I mean, the next five years, yeah, or the Broncos, yeah. In the next five years, maybe, yeah. Justin Fields should be ready to go, then that could happen. But, yeah, I don't know. I, as far as, like, divisional competitions right now, it could be – I mean, the Bears could kill the division if, uh, if the, the situation in Green Bay doesn't get figured out. I agree with that. Uh, Caitlin, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about just – lack of media permission so i think the bears this year you know this they're they're kind of one of the more polarizing teams right now everyone's talking about justin fields and yet the bears for some reason just build this big wall not really allowing a lot of media coverage has that lack of coverage has that been frustrating part of this offseason especially when the bears finally have something to kind of talk about i mean last year sure it was the quarterback competition but this year it's like no we really got somebody here who could be the guy and you've allowed us two days of OTAs in the past two weeks. Like, is that, has that become frustrating? Yeah, it's, it is super frustrating and it, it's hard to tell at this point in the spring summer coming off a of COVID year, you, you hope that this is just a team trying to figure out the best course of action, how they're going to handle things. And we're already getting emails, um, about vaccinated, you know, media members and things, the things that we're allowed to do. So like, Things are taking shape and they're turning in the right direction. It is frustrating though. And I think the worst thing that could have happened for journalism and reporters, and I know people are like, oh, well, you know, you don't need that 10 second clip of them in the locker room saying the same cliche BS. Um, and everyone thinks that's what our jobs like boil down to. And, and it's just the worst thing that could have happened was Zoom and Zoom working out as well as it has because it, there's a lot more control in the team's hands. Um, you're not having those side conversations, side stories. And it is, it is frustrating because you, you feel like you're only being allowed to do so much and say so much, especially when there's exciting storylines to tell. I understand why teams don't want, if there's a lot of drama going on in the team, they don't want it. I, I understand that, but I'm hoping right now the limited access is just, a figuring out how to do things safely, slowly bring it back, logistically get everyone figured out. I hope we travel. I hope in-person interviews come back real soon because I, I can say as someone that this will be my ninth NFL season and it's been beyond frustrating to, especially post-game interviews. Like, you know, I'm holding a laptop in the stands for our post-game show, trying to interview David Montgomery and like, you know, he's, just, he's so sweet and professional, but it's like a lot of it's like, hey, da David, you're fro David, you're frozen. And like you just it takes all this, you know, emotion out of the interview and I'm frustrated. He's frustrated. It's just people look at it. It's convenient because they can sit them down in front of a phone or a computer, but it just takes everything away. And I think the fans will miss that as well. Yeah, I agree with that. That does sound really frustrating. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's super interesting because my own publisher, Zach Pearson's at Hallis Hall, and one of the things that he told me is he's just like, oh yeah, these virtual and you know these these virtual interviews basically they take away from a lot of the small talk that traditionally mm -hmm. would happen in the locker room. Like I know Javon Wims is super into sneakers. I mean, the first time I got a media pass was two years ago at camp, and they let me in for two days, and I got to interview Duke Shelley and Bilal Nichols as well as Riley Ridley. 
which was a really cool experience but then just doing everything virtually like takes away from like what a reporter's real job is right and i mean being new on this beat and i couldn't even introduce myself you know even those side conversations where the players get to know who i am i mean i i spent eight seasons in green bay and you know, that's, that's how I got to know when you have relationships. So that when I ask like, Hey, I'd like to interview this player. If they don't know who I am, I'd be the same. I'd be like, I don't know who that is. And that, that little interaction, even with the coaches and the training staff, you know, you just get to learn each other. So that was really challenging for me as a new reporter on the scene. Like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just a box in a zoom call. <laughs> and I'm trying to like make my a name for myself here in Chicago. And it's, it's super frustrating, but I'm hoping we're trending in the right direction. That was literally me before joining this call at work. Like my, my company's out in Germany. So like my boss was frozen for like five minutes and I was trying to leave the Zoom call and Sam's like, yo, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm trying to get out of this call. Like it went over. Yeah, but yeah. anyways, I mean, like I, I like for the last 16 months, like the capabilities of like online internet calls, I'm, I'm sure for like, you know, podcasters mm -hmm. and analysts, um, reporters, it's been it's been hell. So, mm -hmm. um, but anyways, I'm moving on to my, um, final question. We appreciate you having on here you said, we'll go next after me, but, uh, what is a typical week during the season? Like for you, like give us like a complete runner from morning to evening. How does it go down in football, in football season? Yeah. In football. Season. Okay. So, um, usually Mondays, Tuesdays are my days off and then Wednesday is practice. And then I'm turning packages. You know, I wake up, go, hopefully go to Atlas Hall this season, go to practice, um, turn a couple packages to run in our five o'clock and our nine o'clock shows. Um, Thursday's the same thing. Or, you know, if there's another, cause, because I cover all the Chicago sports teams, if there's something else going on, I do that as well. Um, production meetings on Thursday for props and locks and our pregame shows and our postgame shows Friday. I tape bears unleashed in the afternoon. So, uh, I love putting, I love that show. And that was a fun project that kept me going. So I wake up, um, do the prep for that, write the show, tape it in the afternoon. And then I do the five o'clock and nine o'clock, um, sports cast for Fox 32 Saturday this year. Hopefully it's a travel day. Um, I'll go to wherever they're playing. Um, Otherwise, I'm covering college football and I'm doing the, our show for that. And then Sunday is I wake up at 630 in the morning, usually 6, 630. Um, I go in studio for our eight o'clock morning show. I do a hit in that and then props and locks at 10, our pregame show, 1015 um, and then the game. And then we have 90 minutes of post game depending on whenever the game is. So like if it's a night game, <laughs> we're doing post game till midnight and I started my day at 8 a.m. So those get to be grueling. Basically like I'm a zombie Sundays. Um, I'm just kind of in the, the mode. And um, But this year, if we're allowed to go to games, it, it breaks up the week much better. And it's more exciting when you're – last year it was hard. It was hard. I felt like I wasn't really doing my job. I was because I was watching the game like all of you guys and then breaking it down and – but it, it was definitely like, I missed that. Like it's one thing to work a 17 hour day when you're at an NFL game and you're traveling and going to all these cool places, you take that out of it. And you're like, wow, this is just a really long day of football. So um, I'm hoping for the travel back this year, but yeah, that's pretty much my week and then repeat it over and over and over again. But it's fun. It flies by. 
I, I would honestly trade my job for that. Like, I, I mean, my job is good and all, but like, you know, you're working with pesky people that, um, and all of that, yeah. but like, yeah, that job seems kind of fun, but like, yeah, you mentioned it, like it gets grueling and all that. So, I mean, that would catch up to me. Eventually. Yeah. But so. if you're passionate, if you're passionate yeah. about what you yeah. do, it becomes like, mm-hmm. all right, it's just one 17 hour day a week. I can mm-hmm. handle that. So it's not uh, too bad. I love the, I love the determination. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You got to be built different to handle. Yeah, absolutely. Built different. Hashtag yeah. built different. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I texted these guys and I'm like, because I write for like three or four, well, I write for two websites and I do two pods a week, but I also work at Starbucks in addition to just got done with school full time. So like my days during the season were starting at 345 in the morning. Oh my God. And so, <laughs> and I was on like three and a half hours of sleep. And so as soon as the, but I drink a lot of caffeine as well. So I told these guys, I'm like, as soon as the season was over, I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? Because like, I do miss yeah. the grind of the season, but Hey, last one for you, before we get you out of here, what advice can you give for a young person who's looking to significantly grow in sports media and journalism? And I'm asking that just cause like Sam's a journalism major. I took one journalism class in high school and that's about it. But it just seems like, on you know bears twitter everything i see in general is that there's a lot of people that do want to take the next step and develop themselves yeah i think the most important thing and the most important tool which also is like it's hard because so obviously social media is an incredible platform that even when i was getting into business not just anyone could you know do a podcast or even have things like this. So it's an incredible tool. I would use that as much as possible, but it comes down to networking and figuring out meeting the right people and making one connection because all of a sudden they're in a position or a job. Um, I mean, it's amazing in this career. What I've learned is I've come across someone once or someone has saw a tweet of mine from five years ago, but they've like followed me then and then followed whatever I'm doing. And then they've reached out for like, Hey, we have this opportunity. Would you be interested? So trying to just, I think sometimes it gets overwhelming, especially on Twitter, especially like a bears Twitter, everything. It seems like everybody's doing the same thing. Everyone, you know, how do I stand out? How do I get, turn this into a career and a job? And I think to me, it's remaining true to who you are. Don't try to be somebody that you're not because people will see right through that. The best TV personalities, radio personalities are people that are true to themselves um, and own it. And then whether people like them or not, that's, that's what's the beauty of it. And then just doing as much work as possible and making connections, making connections. Like, because down the road, if I, I'm looking for someone and I remember this conversation with, you know, the three of you, that's what people draw on. And I think that's where a lot of my opportunities, two of my jobs have come from them just seeing me covering for another station. So the more you get, the more people you meet, the more connections you make. And, but the, if you're the passion is there, which it is for the three of you, it, it'll, it, you have to trust as much as I don't like using Philadelphia Sixers cliches, but trust the process. It seems long and daunting, but I promise, I mean, at 22 years old, I was carrying so much gear on the road covering Packer games that I was like crying to my mom and covering high school football of like a town of 200. So it it, it does work out. You get to where you're going um, and just trust it. Yeah, that's an excellent way to put it. Just continuing to like put your head down and work hard every day, but that's going to do it from us. Thanks so much for joining us. And we definitely love to, I know you work crazy hours during the season, but we would definitely love to have you on again in the future. And if you ever need anything, you know, 
we'd be happy to help in any way that we can. Thank you, guys. I look forward to talking to you once the season starts, and hopefully we're talking about all the things that we mentioned today, but in a good light. Hopefully, you know, Robert Quinn, we have some good, we have some good feel-good stories to talk about in this season, guys. Absolutely, and I hope we're also talking about how a certain Green Bay quarterback is doing in <laughs> a couple of months because uh, that, right. that would be a nice little one-two swing there. Yeah, as Chicago would, that would just make Chicago's year if that, they could complete the trifecta. <laughs> yeah. Corrupt. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. All right, Bears fans, you know who that was, but I'm going to remind you just one more time. That was Caitlin Sharkey from Fox 32 Chicago. Once again, you can follow her on Twitter at Sharkey. Be sure you're following Fireside Bears on every single social media platform. That includes Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. We're taking over the Bears game right now from articles to podcasts. we got some cool stuff dropping on the YouTube channel. All right, and then follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, wherever. All right, every single social media platform. Follow AJ and Sam on Twitter at AJ Desai4, as well as Shy Sports Sam. We're going to be back this week with uh, another great episode. So keep an eye out, guys, but have a great week as well. And as always, bear down.